Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. And now we'll welcome John Pollard, head of Zebra Sports, the NFL's official on-field player tracking provider, which powers the NFL's next-gen stats. John, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Robert. Thank you very much for having me. Hello to you too, Chris. Yeah, hello. I appreciate the hello. (laughs) I'm also here to ask you questions. (laughs) Chris likes to feel part of the team as well, so that's good. I'm part of the podcast. (laughs) So, John, just uh, to provide a little context for listeners out there, I'm sure there's a lot of people who know exactly what it is that you do and follow uh, NFL's next-gen stats quite extensively, but I'm sure there's lots of people who may not be as versed in that. So can you tell us a little bit about the company, about Zebra Sports, and what it is exactly that they provide for uh, the NFL's players and teams? Sure thing. Uh, well, as you mentioned, then Zebra Technologies is the official NFL player tracking technology partner. Um, the 2019 season was the sixth year that we have been um, a partner with the NFL uh, in that capacity. And what that means is we install our tracking system in all 31 of the NFL stadiums in the U.S., also the U.K. stadiums uh, and in Mexico City at Azteca Stadium. Our system is implemented there as well. And uh, our system is uh, a series of receiver boxes that is that are mounted around the perimeter of all the stadiums. And those receiver boxes communicate to uh, RFID tags, which are about the diameter of a U.S. nickel and about the thickness of two nickels stacked on top of each other. Those tags, most players wear two tags on either side of their shoulder pads, and they're put into the shoulder pads with a small adhesive uh, pouch. And uh, those tags talk to the receivers and they transmit information like who's on the field uh, uh, for each play, 
um, where they are on the field uh, during the play. They can also read formation information. We get data in terms of uh, proximity, how far players are from each other, both on your own team, but also the opponent's team. And the tags also on the players record uh, speed in terms of how fast players are moving and the total distance traveled over the course of the game. Uh, what also might be interesting for people to know is that we've also uh, worked to develop an RFID tag that is installed inside of all the NFL footballs. So we have a tag that is melded inside of the football during construction and working with Wilson Sporting Goods, who is the official uh, ball provider for the NFL. Um, the tag is installed during the construction of all the footballs, and that tag uh, actually communicates to, to the receivers and transmits information like velocity and RPM or rotational information. And so we like to say that with, with the tag inside the ball enables us now to actually take real information and statistics in terms of capabilities of a quarterback. When we've heard you know, over the years, many people hear how a quarterback can really spin it. Well, now the tags now allow us to record that information. Um, the final thing I'll say in terms of being a league partner, we also work directly with the teams independently. And we have almost a third of teams using analogous tracking system implemented at their practice facilities where they have in the outdoor fields and the bubbles, we track their practices. And teams like that information, the track player development, player conditioning and performance metrics, and track their development and capabilities over the course of the season. Wow, that's a lot going on. Um, are the uh, 49ers one of those teams, <laughs> one of those teams that has that set up at their uh, training facility at this point? No, we don't currently work with the 49ers, unfortunately. Okay. So what do we need to do to make that happen? Yeah, <laughs> we could we could call oh, John Lynch. John Lynch a call. We'll be happy to sure. talk to him. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We have him on speed dial. So what can a team then do with this information? And and I guess the real question is, is there a difference between the information that standard person and get from the NFL Next Gen Stats website versus what information you can provide to the teams? Uh, yeah, so um, when we do here at Next Gen Stats watching an NFL broadcast, uh, whenever you see the Next Gen Stats brand, um, we're the enabling technology that captures the information that is next sense that set of information and analytics. Um, and, and now uh, Amazon Web Services or AWS have also uh, sponsored uh, next gen stats. And what Amazon uh, provides is the cloud computing capability, the machine learning capability that helps with some of the advanced calculations that we see in terms of next gen stats. And I, I don't know about you guys, but certainly I'd say over the last two seasons, uh, the prevalence of next-gen stats being included during the broadcast has really, really um, you know, increased, uh, again, I'd say, over the 2018-2019 season, 2019 in particular. These are all the media partners from the NFL utilize next-gen stats as part of the broadcast to enhance the storytelling capabilities of that and, and game-calling. Game um, the data that we do see as fans is differentiated from what the teams actually get uh, on the football operations side. Uh, when we go to NFL.com or the NextGen Stats microsite as part of NFL.com, there is a nice series of reports and analysis and visualizations that allow us uh, you know, to see some really interesting statistics and to appreciate the athleticism of these players at an entirely new level. Um, I, a couple of categories I think about that are really compelling are the, the categories such as tight window throws, which is uh, the space between a defender and a receiver um, you know, is, is with a yard or less when the ball is received. And that gives you the idea of the quarterback's capabilities to fit the ball in the tight spaces and also the receiver's capability to catch the ball when contested by a defender. That's an interesting set of information. Uh, the teams themselves get a lot more detailed data that they look at on Monday, uh, as well as the game film when they look at the information in terms of total, you know, total workload on the players throughout the game. 
but we're also finding that more player, more teams are leveraging some of the stats that we enjoy as fans. Uh, some of those analytics are including them in their player evaluations and their advanced, advanced scouting processes. Speaking from someone who was at the Super Bowl, unfortunately, for a 49 fan, when I was able to look up at the uh, four scoreboards through the tiers, yeah, I saw a lot <laughs> of next-gen stats up there. They were definitely flowing. It was a different experience than have going just to a regular regular season game in that you can actually see important things that are going on in the game as opposed to like looking them up on your phone and you're actually getting some more advanced stats, not simple yards per carry stats and stuff like that. We were there as well. They do a wonderful job at the Super Bowl producing the game. And most every play had some type of next-gen statistics pushed onto at least the four of the major scoreboards inside the stadium itself. And and I personally believe as well, as, as of course many in the NFL would believe, that that provides a level of information, entertainment, and, and, and knowledge for the fans to appreciate what's going on in the field a bit more. You see passing charts, for instance, to see where the ball is distributed based on you know, location on the field from left to right, but also pass depth information. And you see the, the speed tracks um, for the various players on the field. And interestingly enough, you know, for the Super Bowl this year, uh, you had two of the fastest offenses in football playing in the game. So the Chiefs were actually fastest in the league, and the Niners recorded the uh, the second fastest overall ball carrier off, um, speed uh, record for the for the 2019 season. So not only do we know from our own eye watching these two teams play. But they are, or we do have the data to back up the fact that you had two of the fastest offenses in 2019 playing for the championship. So was that overall offenses or specific players? The ball carriers, whenever the whenever player has the, the ball in hand. Just for the record, who is the NFL ball carrier over the last two years who's been the fastest player in the NFL? Well, uh, well that would be the recently departed Matt. Yeah. Uh, Wait, so it's not Tyreek Hill? It's, it's not. It's not Tyree Kill. It's the other Sheeta. <laughs> he, he recorded a top speed of twenty two point three miles per hour in twenty nineteen. And typically, you know, after years of working in the space, a wide receiver may be running an eight or nine route, getting a top speed or a kick returner, right? But Matt, Matt recorded it um, on a rushing play at twenty two point three miles per hour. And I know that that's a sore point potentially for Canadians fans with Matt now to Miami as a, and becoming a Miami Dolphin. Yeah, I remember that run. That was the run in Monday Night Football against Cleveland, right? Is that the, the one? That's correct. That's exactly right. That was a good moment. Let's think about those things and not <laughs> what happened in Miami. <laughs> what we wanted to talk with you specifically was about um, some of the incoming 49er players, specifically the two uh, top draft picks that the, the Niners took in the first round. That is former South Carolina defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw and uh, former Arizona State wide receiver Brandon Ayuk. Interesting players in their own rights. And part of the reason um, that that's of interest to us is because we also uh, were made aware that you guys were at the Senior Bowl, which is something that Kinlaw was a part of, although Ayuk was invited but was unable to participate because of injury. So we wanted to talk to you a little bit about where these players can fit as far as 49ers looking forward. But first of all, just kind of want to generally talk about what is it that you think that these players showed either at the Senior Bowl or as college players that you think might have attracted um, the 49ers to Kinlaw and Ayuk? Sure. And, and the, we have, uh, we, in an effort to expand you know, tracking, and I think to, to underscore the point I made a little bit earlier about professional teams are now using this information a bit more in their scouting and evaluation processes. The 2020 Senior Bowl, uh, recent Senior Bowl in Mobile, was the third year that we were the official player tracking technology provider for the Senior Bowl. 
And, you know, as you, you guys know, and as, as many of your listeners, I'm sure know that the senior bowl week's a very interesting unique and unique opportunity for the collegiate players who are there to work directly with two NFL coaching staffs. And there's a certain level of, you know, closeness, I mean, in, intimacy and interaction opportunity that's really unique to Mobile. And, and Jim Nagy and their staff on Mobile have done a wonderful job with the recent senior bowl game. Um, what we do is we not only record and track the game itself, which is played on Saturday, but where a lot of the valuable information that's collected and that we distribute to the NFL teams who, who request it is the practice data. So they practice during the week in Live People Stadium, you know, weather permitting, uh, and we track those practice sessions. Um, and we find a, a lot of NFL teams taking great interest in finding, you know, who are the fastest runners, you know, uh, players during a certain uh, during a certain period or during a certain practice time, how active players are in practice. So uh, the, the practice film itself and the professional evaluators, you know, watching those practices very closely in person, that's one. Uh, you know, and, and probably the most important critical aspect of the scouting process. But again, the data that we're providing is now an added incentive. Regarding uh, the couple of players you had mentioned, your first round pick, Javon Kinlaw, in the defensive tackle group for both the North and South squad, he recorded a top speed of 15.16 miles per hour. Um, and I should point out, you know, for a defensive tackle or an interior lineman like on the offensive side as well, you know, miles per hour certainly is not a metric that is, 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 is the, perhaps the most critical. Um, it can be a reference point. It can be suggestive or indicative of something to support the already established you know, evaluation and scouting that's going on for that player. Um, but he was middle of the pack in terms of top speed overall and showed good athleticism and the response was good you know, overall. Um, again, these defensive linemen are working in small, tight spaces, unlike the defensive backs, running backs, and wide receivers who are running a lot of one-on-one drills and other drills that will be able to get to top speeds. But he recorded a pretty solid speed for for a person of his size uh, and uh, uh, an interior lineman at 15 and a half miles an hour is, is about the low end of the range for an athletic linebacker um, based on the experiences that we've had in analysis. So that's a, that's pretty impressive athleticism showing there. You know, in terms of Brandon, unfortunately, you know, your wide receiver, the guy's 25, um, he wasn't able to participate in the practices, you know, overall um, due to injury. Um, there was an interesting set of information that we looked at. Um, the NFL's Next Gen Stats Group uh, does analytics for, uh, for draft uh, uh, prospects. And he actually scored an overall draft score of 77, um, which uh, factors in a set of uh, variables like college college production, his athleticism, and measures the most of the results of the, of the drills that were performed at the combine. Um, and also because the, the player's physicality in terms of their, their position, but also their physical size, height, and weight. Um, and so that's a big athletic score for, for Brandon, you know, at ASU. And again, unfortunately, from a data point, we weren't able to collect anything in Mobile. Um, I would say, you know, Jawan Jennings, uh, the wide receiver that you guys picked in the seventh round, um, you know, it's interesting. He he scored in terms of top speed, uh, uh, his top speed for the practice sessions was 18.83 miles per hour, which is a little bit under the lower range for wide receivers uh, in the group for that week. However, Jennings is really a guy that breaks tackles. Most people you know, probably know that or can research that. He's, he's a guy that goes through people, not around people and by people. He led the FB last year in 30 broken tackles. And he accumulated those broken tackles on only 57 receptions. So you're talking about the physicality capability of a player that we're taught speed, again, is an element you might reference in the evaluation and scoring of a player. Uh, but look, you got a physical strong wide receiver who, again, can accelerate at, again, at, at a more to mid-range uh, level for most receivers. 
And that isn't considering a group of wide receivers that, you know, might weigh, you know, 10, 15, 25 pounds less uh, lighter than he, he is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, a couple other players, if I might want to, I want to point out guys, just in yeah, my absolutely. research you know, regarding the Niners, um, you had a, a couple of UDFAs I wanted to point out. Uh, one, uh, Jared Maiden from Alabama, the safety. You know, Jared scored actually the fifth highest uh, speed score recorded at the, at the Senior Bowl for all players in all position groups. Wow. His top speed of 20.74 miles per hour was, again, the fifth highest. So when you think about an, an element that might suggest potential value in a undrafted free agent, that's certainly a, a score on the point of athleticism, explosive capabilities uh, of a player you know, recording that type of speed. And then also the running back, Jamichael Hasty from Baylor. He was the second fastest running back, boarded at the top speed of 20.05 miles per hour. And he was only second to Antonio Gibson of Memphis. Uh, Antonio Gibson's top speed uh, was 20.15 miles per hour in terms of top speed recorded for the running back groups during the whole week. To remind everybody, all the Niners fans, look, you know, with Jamalka Hasty, you have an undressed free agent. Antonio Gibson was a third-round pick by the Washington Redskins. Wow. So perhaps there's a good opportunity to replace, you know, Matt Breda and his, his capabilities with Jamalka Hasty, and you're doing it at a great value with an undrafted free agent. Jamalka Hasty does a nice job in the preseason workouts and, and finds a place on the Niners roster. Yeah, and, that, and that if there's one thing that this uh, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan regime has shown themselves to do is that they trust a lot in undrafted free agents if they prove themselves. I mean, you talk about Matt Breda, you talk about Kendrick Bourne, the wide receiver who has earned himself another contract and another opportunity to make this team moving forward. But yeah, I don't think they're scared of guys who got drafted versus guys who, who didn't. And they, they see them as an opportunity to do that. So that's, those are some exciting names to, to think about. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind, if you could just focusing, because I know that there's a, there's a lot of other, <laughs> a lot of data that we could talk about. So we got the defensive guy and the offensive guy um, in terms of where you think they might fit on this 49ers team for their rookie seasons and what projection you might have for them moving forward. I'm happy to. I'll talk a bit about Jennings a bit more. I mean, you talk about a physical guy um, inside the slot. Again, you have, the best, if not certainly one of the best offensive minds and play callers in, in your head coach. Um, and, you know, they, they perhaps they move him around and create a lot of stress and pressure and by moving him around. But certainly I, I would imagine they would find some time in the slot uh, replicating what he was able to do in Tennessee. Um, I, I did want to comment. One thing I forgot to bring up, but I do want to bring up about Jennings. You know, we, we talked about his speed being more at the lower end of the range of the wide receiver group. We do have a category of metrics that we capture called sprints. And sprints basically takes the entire wide receiver group and comes up with a range and an average. And then a sprint is defined as when a player accelerates at 80 to 90% uh, at the high end of that range. Um, and for, for Jennings, talk, talk about his competitiveness, which you might associate with breaking tackles, right? Extending plays. Um, he had the second most sprints of all wide receivers in day one, and he had the third most in day two. So, Operating above, you know, uh, you know, above most of the wide receiver groups in terms of accelerating and getting to his maximum sprint level within the wide receiver group range. Again, is not, not perfect science, but it's something. If I was working on a scouting report, I'd look at that information and, and perhaps look look at the film and maybe use as an ingredient to suggest again the competitive nature of this player. I'd say Jennings is a good slot receiver for me. And in terms, of I hope you looked at Emmanuel Sanders leaving to the Saints. You have to replace that production someplace. And, you know, I would think Brandon would be the key candidate there that the Niners would be expecting to replicate the majority of Sanders' production. Yeah, that is what we're hoping slash praying for. 
that makes a lot of sense a lot of sense to me just kind of looking at, at him a little bit you can you can see there is a a sort of twitchiness to what he's doing and i think that will be really important and of course you know shanahan's big thing is getting people open um and i think that's he'll he he seems to be of the opinion that that if maybe you're not the smoothest route runner that he can still figure out a way to get you the ball and there just seem to be um just racking up guys who can run after they have the ball in their hands if you add you know jennings and iuk to to george kittle and debo samuel um and those guys that are great with the ball in their hands i think uh that's that's a, a nice little group of, of uh, pass catchers with the ball in their hands for sure. Well, and you bring up a great point in terms of offensive philosophy, right? In 2019, the Niners offense was second in the league in yards after catch as a percentage of total passing yards. So they look for guys to get the ball, to get the ball in the hands and extend the play for sure. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, it would be great to have some of Brandon's numbers at this table because with some of the software, we do provide teams that subscribe to our service and that we work with on the, on the client side they're able to isolate, you know, certain, certain moments in time during a play or a drill where they can see the acceleration, let's say from the snap to pass reception, and then also break that and then look at after catch and look at acceleration uh, information to break it down to more game specific context and also moments within, within a play, uh, which again, for the professional evaluators and scouts, you know, we're, we're excited about what that might provide as far as additive information and support and supportive analysis as they look at players and help develop them throughout their program. I'm interested just from a technical standpoint, you know, rotation of the ball, et cetera, and maybe a little bit of a political standpoint. How much pushback did you get from the NFL when you wanted to install the chips in the footballs? I have to imagine that they're not so keen on that idea, at first, at least. Well, interestingly enough, the league came to us. Oh, really? They were looking for for ways to generate uh, more opportunities for you know fan experience and and to provide another dimension of exciting new information for fans and for media partners. Because most of that info is not released to the public, right? Everything that we do with the league as the official partner is with the league's endorsement, is with the league at the league's direction. Um, you know, so it, it, I'll say this: in, in working with the league partner, it's really interesting being on the on the on the partner and the client you know, support side, uh, where the technology is extremely exciting for what it can do. But you know, what a leagues, not just the NFL, but other leagues as well. When you think about technology. It's, it can be exciting to consider what it can do for the, you know, for the game and for the excitement of the game and maybe advancing gameplay. But, you know, the, the NFL in particular has to be very pragmatic, right, about how they introduce new ideas and concepts. There's lots of procedures and processes that have to be considered. There is competitive balance and game integrity that has to be considered. And so I've learned and we've learned to really appreciate the, the position that we and, and the role that we play as a partner for the league in supporting what their initiatives are. We love to bring new ideas to the table. But again, it is an iterative process. And when you introduce new technologies and what it can do, and it goes back to something we were talking a little bit earlier, right? I mean, we're, we're capturing our technologies, capturing more information that, than what we see as fans on the site or what we might be access to through broadcasts, uh, for instance. Uh, but again, that's again the league being you know very pragmatic and responsible on how they distribute that information to the fans. But each and every year, there's a little bit more information and significantly more analytics that are being provided to the next gen stat service. Uh, so it's fun going through the creative process and exciting being part of the technology side. But there's a discipline to it too and a patience that we have to bring uh, to the table when we work with the league. 
Um, in terms of ball metrics, I mean, as you guys probably are aware, we don't we don't see a lot of ball metrics on the next-gen stat site today. Uh, the NFL is still evaluating how much of that information to distribute and in what manner to distribute it to us as fans of the media. Um, you know, and, you know, hope, hopefully someday we'll see more of that. Uh, but again, I get excited about things they do provide it, uh, for us as fans, like the tight window throw evaluation information or the separation data that we see for wide receiver or intended receivers and, and defensive backs. I think that brings an entirely new dimension of excitement into the game. And again, it helps shine a light on the true athleticism and capabilities of these players that sometimes, um, you know, the naked eye can't necessarily translate or, or isn't, uh, the, the broadcasters aren't able to articulate in such a short time frame during the play. Yeah, as if we need more reminders that these uh, guys are much better athletes than most of the rest of us. <laughs> it truly is amazing. You think about like a ground level, the eye view, ground eye view of a quarterback and where yeah. they're actually throwing the ball in anticipation of a player, of a receiver being in the right spot. We lose a lot in translation, you know, watching it yeah. on TV. Uh, we still appreciate it, but yeah, it gets pretty exciting. So we're... We're happy. We're happy with, with our relationship with the league and excited about what we've been able to do in terms of uh, our partnership with the league and really excited about the future as well. Um, you mentioned uh, before we get started um, something about the 49ers uh, offensive tackle selection, Colton McKivitz out of uh, West Virginia. I don't know if you had any thoughts on, on him and, and what he projects to be. Um, what he showed as a as a player. Yeah, I mean, similar to what we talked about with Kinlaw, right? The interior lineman, uh, in terms of the, the metrics, I mean, is a little bit more of a limited set of information that we collect for interior linemen, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. The, those skilled players and the quarterback, you know, they work in open spaces and things, and so we can gather a lot more information. But, you know, we're working very closely with our team partners to come up with new analysis and how we can use some of the information we are, our technology can collect to help them evaluate and, and support their evaluations, development of the offensive lineman. You know, Colton was interesting. You know, we looked at um, top speed for Colton. He actually had the third highest speed of all offensive linemen during the week at 11.2 miles per hour. You know, I'd say that's probably, you know, medium to top tier average we see for offensive linemen uh, when we recorded over the last three years. Uh, not necessarily the most telling bit of information, but something, again, to reference. He was, though, first in total distance traveled um, during day two of practice. And I thought that was interesting because that suggests, and, and we have in, in working with different uh, scouts, they look at total distance travel sometimes to suggest, is, does that player get to the second level? Do they get off their, their primary block? And if they have an opportunity, they get downfield to continue to extend their, their blocking downfield. Um, so I thought it was very interesting that he showed great activity in day two in terms of uh, being the number one offensive lineman in total distance traveled during practice. Some of the man's uh, also suggestive of his athleticism as well. Not a, a magic bullet. This isn't so specific that you, you kind of tie your entire evaluation or, or your prognostication of this player's capabilities only on these numbers. Again, they're a new ingredient, but mm-hmm. I thought those were some pretty good numbers that stood out for Colton. Chris, any other thoughts or questions? I do have one, and uh, this can be totally off the record if you want it to be even though we posted it anyway, or, or we could not post it. Totally kidding. But <laughs> <laughs> in your chips in the footballs, and I'm apparently like very obsessed about this, do we have any like pounds per inch <laughs> or possible deflate gate investigation <laughs> techniques for the future that you guys are planning on implementing in there? Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll answer that off the record. Okay. <laughs> and there it shall remain for eternity. Plus, it's not like you're really missing anything anyway, because as you know, the Bucks aren't suddenly going to head to the Super Bowl just because they got my grandfather to 
play quarterback for them. And even off the record, we remain hashtag on brand. Unfortunately, you did miss me saying something sort of funny that made John laugh, which is obviously the biggest tragedy here. So, all right, let's get back at it. Looking at sets of data, I'll tell you what, you know, and you can add this into the conversation if you like. In the practice environment, you know, players go out before practice actually formally starts, and quarterbacks will go out there and win the ball X amount of times, right? No one's counting that. And the, the balls actually, with the tag, has an accelerometer in it. We associate the ball with the quarterback number uh, with the shoulder tags, whether they're in pads or they're all the tags when they're not wearing shoulder pads are sewn into their compression shirts or their practice jerseys. Um, we know when they're throwing the ball, so it's all automatically counted. I don't have to worry about an assistant going out there and manually watching pitch counts on my quarterbacks. <laughs> right? It's all done automatically. So that, you know, we get excited about the advanced analytics, and I do. Uh, but sometimes it's the most fundamental uh, operational opportunity <laughs> yeah. that, that pay huge dividends. I mean, instead of that assistant coach, you know, you know, doing something, you know, very late, you know, laborious and kind of administrative, then you can go out and do something more strategic and productive with this time on the practice field. Um, and uh, and, that, and that's been a big benefit for the team that we use our system at practice. You guys are definitely taking a 20th century concept and bringing it into the 21st century. It's just PFF. They do great work, but all of their lower level analysts that sit there and just log formations and what players on the field and snap counts and stuff like that. You don't need any of those people anymore. Technology has taken over that. Ju- yes, I guess they're all on unemployment now. So maybe it's not such a good thing for them at least, but you guys are doing a good work in that arena. Yeah, we, we appreciate that. And, and, and we do, we're glad that we're seeing that teams really appreciate the league, appreciate some of the efficiency and getting those things automated. I, I think, you know, too, if you guys are talking about that, we, the formation can be collected automatically. I, I used to work in Stats, uh, LLC, who was the official data partner of the league, of the NFL at the time. And I still remember being in scoreboards at different fields and, and just watching the uh, the Blue Jacket NFL representatives taking pictures of formations to collect player participation, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that was, you know, within the last 10 years. And so things have changed a lot. And you know, again, as the, as the league wants to continue to push the envelope and leverage the technology, uh, we're working on a lot of really interesting things with them. And, you know, we're excited about the future and the role we can play there. We're always looking to add more value. Uh, that, that's for sure. One anecdotal thing I can share with you, which I'm, I'm sure you'll appreciate, you know, our technology with the proximity information we have, you can actually measure line splits, right? See how consistent your guys are line, you know, creating their splits in the offensive line. Mm-hmm. For instance. Um, you can, you know, you can actually, when uh, when, you, when your uh, formation requires a receiver to be a plus one or a negative one of the numbers, right, in terms of alignment, I mean, we they can we actually can accurately say, are you at a negative or a plus one, or are you a little bit off or different, differentiated? So there's, there's some precision there that might seem like, uh, you, know, you know, maybe overly arduous in terms of the analysis that you can do. But if you were able to run a report and just see, you know, out of the, let's call a player, you know, taking, you know, doing 800, you know, 100 targets, and out of those targets, when he was supposed to be at the plus one, what's, what's his variance and like within plus one? I mean, those are types of things that coaches can really, you know, communicate to a player throughout a week or during the off season to try to improve, you know, try to improve things for the offense. Uh, that's the type of thing that gets really exciting in working with the coaches and providing them not a not a ton of data where it just become again just an overwhelming set of information, but you know, the, the four or five highlights that really they can translate quickly into a coaching idea or a game strategy moment, right? A game, a game planning concept. 
Uh, I think that's the exciting stuff. And we're just, it's really early stages uh, getting, but I, I do find more coaches uh, getting more comfortable with at least referencing the information or in, in, in their game planning and uh, the scouting process. Yeah, that information's just got to be priceless, but hopefully you sleep okay at night knowing that you're getting a bunch of you know, younger players just reamed out by their position coaches by <laughs> lining up the wrong spot or <laughs> you're taking the, you know, the, the wrong angle or whatever. But in the end, it's going to make them better players in the long term. Well, as a former baseball player and football player in high school and college, I, I would, you know, not at the highest degree, but played there. I mean, and to get whatever I could out of my limited capabilities, I had to be very specific. And I had coaches that really, really stressed accuracy, precision, <laughs> making all the finer points. So I personally have a bias for executing in a very precise way. Sometimes I get asked questions, is this tracking data create an opportunity where you can get just overly analytical and too deep in the data? Why? Sure, you possibly could. But the real value of having an interesting set of information that gives you more specific data in areas that you've been more subjectively assessing, why wouldn't you use it as an additive set of information? And again, the fun part is each team's culture has a different way of looking at this information. So that's the fun part is being creative with the teams and helping them find ways to use it as most effectively as they can for their team, for their culture, and for their staff. And especially in a, in a game like football where it's, you know, those tiny inches and those tiny little things, as you're saying, like one player being slightly off of his position can make a, a big difference. So that's that's cool. So, um, John, one more question that I wanted to ask you, and this is just sort of a fun question. So what is your favorite random statistical thing that you guys are able to process that you think people don't pay enough attention to? Because obviously, like, the miles per hour is really cool because it shows how freakishly fast people are and that sort of thing. But is there one, like, random stat that you're, like, doesn't think gets enough love and you're, like, this is the one that I really like stand for? There's two answers to that. There's okay. the, fan, the fan perspectives, the tight window throws, category of information through the really great services the NFL offers us as fans. When you start looking at tight window throw plays and, and watch the game film and see if you can see tight window throws by what type of routes and against what defenses, what alignments, is it man, is it zone, that type of thing. That doesn't come out in the pure number, a leader list of like the tight window throw percentage. But when you start looking at the game video in conjunction with it, you can really have a lot of fun learn a lot putting those types of uh, assets together for the services you can subscribe to as a fan so i do like the tight window through and i do it in, in relation to that the separation information as well on the football operations side and what software can do i am very interested in discussions in terms of ideas that teams have uh, looking at acceleration or, or speed with it within game context and i'll i'll describe it this way you have a linebacker, uh, um, dual responsibility, uh, pass coverage, and, and responsibility, of course. And let's say the play-to-play action play. And, you know, you can record the tracking information what the, what, what the fit on the play action. How much bite, how much negative yardage did he have on the play action, right? And then if he has to recover back in, and fall back into coverage, what's his acceleration rate and recovery time from taking a forward step to planting and reversing his direction and getting back into primary coverage and what's his effectiveness in that coverage. (laughs) That type of information information is really interesting to me. Software can parse the tracking data into very specific moments within the tracking set set of information. Similarly Um, to that, a defensive back, measuring how far a defensive back is from the, uh, the primary receiver at the release of the ball and then taking the distance and the acceleration rate into the receiver and then 
matching that information to completed passes, PBUs, or an interception or an incomplete uh, pass. Those uh, things really those can help me. Um, a third example of that would be a running back and measuring uh, the effectiveness of a running back um, and how far they are behind the line of scrimmage based on their acceleration rate into the line of scrimmage, based on um, their dwell time behind the line of scrimmage, which we do have in next-gen stats. You can find out how much a running back is behind the line of scrimmage uh, before they cross, and also measuring the width of a hole that the running back hits. I think taking that information and trying to do an analysis, and for instance, can you evaluate the average yards per carry or 10 plus yard runs when a running back is seven and a half to six and a half yards uh, behind the line of scrimmage? What's their average acceleration rate on those metrics and, you know, uh, and how fast do they get to the line of scrimmage and what's their linear path? Are they taking more of a, are they truly running north and south to the line of scrimmage or are they taking more time looking for a hole using um, software to parse out, the miles per hour, so I can get Matt Brady at 22 point mile, whatever miles an hour, but parsing that out in terms of what was his true linear distance on that run, you know, what the hole that he hit against the line of scrimmage, those are the things that really fascinate me from an evaluation perspective. Yeah, I can just imagine having the play and those numbers up side by side. And yeah, I mean, you, you can really come to a good determination on, on whether the running back is hitting the right hole and if he's attacking at the right time. So that's, yeah, that's definitely pretty cool stuff. Yeah. I, I hopefully I didn't bore you guys with all that. Oh, I, no, 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 not at all. I'd have you on here for like three hours if I could. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think they provide two, you know, on the coaching and the training and performance staff. I mean, you can start thinking about structuring certain drill types, you know, certain training regimens, certain, training you know, conditioning uh, regimens. regimens. You know, when yeah, you start, there's no, direct one only answer right now it's still a piece of clay being molded you know not only in my head but you know when mm-hmm. i yeah. talk to but I there's when i first got exposed to scouting reports um say, the say, back is ranked on a, a, a criteria of tw- let's call 20 i'm just a hypothetical number 20 categories and one of those categories is recognition to close or burst to close so when they were to watch all kinds of film and they'll grade a player perhaps on a scale of one to ten on their ability to Close on a receiver when they have primary or coverage responsibility on that receiver to the, to the uh, ball to, and to the receiver. And now we're taking that idea, which is important the evaluation of a defensive back, and we're allowing for empirical evidence data to um, support to that and, and not to be used in a negative way, to be used in a way of reference to support and validate an assessment. And then hopefully provide directional information that can be suggestive of, of development and coaching and and maybe strength and conditioning drills that might help that player in that category. So I get excited about that and then using that information and creating a very simple, <laughs> a simple way for coaches to take that type of story and present it to the player. So it becomes another asset in their you know, repertoire of coaching and, and teaching. Uh, yeah, that's definitely great stuff. And I'm just excited to see what you guys will come up with in the future. And I think it's going to be a different, experience for the fans in the stands as well as the fans at home you know within two or three years i, I was just watching uh staley's famous run back in uh 12 13 playoffs in front of alex smith leaning in the end zone and it's like in standard definition it looks like it's from like the 70s or the 80s you know and i just wonder what will be like eight years from now seven years from now and, and i'm sure that you're gonna play a very important role in in transforming the whole 
watching the game experience. And hopefully a lot of stuff ends up being in the stadiums. You inspired something for me to bring up to you guys Mm -hmm. about this. Now, I I mentioned I worked at Stats before I worked at Zebra. And if you remember years ago, um, Stats was the company that provided the optical tracking system called SportView into the NBA. Mm -hmm. Um, Now it's second spectrum, but it was Stats. SportView was the first one. If you think the early adopters of that, that tracking technology at the team level where teams like the Warriors, the Rockets, the Mavericks, the Spurs, Celtics, Raptors, um, just not to exclude any, but those are some of the off the top of my head, early adopters of that technology. And you think about what that information is provided in terms of advanced analytics and in terms of content for us to evaluate. But I also think, you know, look how the games evolved. I believe that tracking data and the information they provided helped in some way, or at least was an ingredient in some aspect of the evolution of what basketball is now. Because now you're able to count triples. You're able to count so many more things and track more information on the players and in the game. So in terms of football, the game always has been in some way, but more and more is a game of matchups are always critical. But in space, mm-hmm. and can this information provide things to better understand to evaluate and assess the game of speed and space as my background is a full-time football fan since i was a kid and then a background in computer science and statistics and information systems it's like the merge of these two things makes it perfect for me so it's like keep on doing your good work <laughs> i'm loving it <laughs> well you, you and me both I, I think you can too appreciate the trick is as voluminous as this data can be right just to the data you collect for a game or a practice session Really, the fun part for me personally is working directly with the teams and helping them find the, the reports analysis and, and specifically the insights, the refined set of insights that can be digested by a coaching staff or a scouting staff and then utilized and transmitted back to the players or into the game itself. And that's a trick, right? Because it, it's exciting to see all the information that can be there, but you really have to find a way to communicate it. And things like data visualization is critical, right? And then also understanding and having some understanding and being a good listener, but understanding what the coaches and scouts are looking for in terms of the game. They're the experts to help with the translation of all that data and synthesize it in a way that makes sense to those experts. And once those experts get a taste of it in their language and, and something that they're familiar with, then the ideas really, the creative ideas really start to come. And that's a really fun part of the, of the job is interacting with the professional scouts, coaches, and the strength and conditioning coaches and evaluators because they are the best at what they do. This data is never going to be a replacement, but we do hope it's an ingredient that continues to increase. It provides value today, but increase in value all the time. Well, John, we want to uh, thank you for joining us today on the uh, Niner Noise podcast. It's been fun uh, chatting with you about this stuff, and we look forward to seeing more of what uh, your company is going to bring for on-field player tracking in the years to come. Well, I enjoyed it very much, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and you guys are definitely free to come on anytime you want. And please keep throwing me some of those stats during the week. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, we will we'll sure, be sure to do that. <laughs> appreciate your interest and support, guys, very much. And we, we'd love to uh, jump on with you guys again sometime. Yeah, yeah, whatever you guys want. Thanks a lot. All right. Sounds great. All right, take care.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.